Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Sean Donnan, the FT's World News Editor. The conflict is building in Syria. The assassination on July 18th of four key members of Syria's security establishment struck at the heart of Bashar al-Assad's regime. The opposition Free Syrian Army has built on that and concentrated its attacks on the capital, Damascus, and now the country's second city and commercial center, Aleppo. Both cities had, until recently, been spared much of the fighting that has convulsed the country over the past 16 months. Meanwhile, the regime has admitted for the first time that it possesses chemical weapons, then promised ominously to use them only if attacked by a foreign power. Joining me on the line to discuss this are the FT's diplomatic editor, James Blitz, who's here in London. And down the line from Beirut is Abigail Fielding-Smith, who has been tracking the conflict for the past 18 months for us. Let's start with you, Abby. We've seen a clear intensification of the conflict in Damascus and Aleppo. What are we seeing on the ground? Well, in Damascus, the regime appears to have had quite a lot of success in in hitting back at the FSA's gains. I think, you know, the primary function of of that surge in Damascus was a psychological one as much as anything. And one person likened it to a sort of irritating mosquito to bug the regime, which they very much succeeded in shaking them there. However, in Aleppo, it's interesting because unlike Damascus, Aleppo is very much on the fringe of the northern areas where where the FSA have a lot of control. So whilst I think there's no question that regime outguns the rebels in Aleppo who are currently fighting as of today for control of the city, it promises to be a slightly different type of, and perhaps in some ways, you know, in a long-term sense, more, more threatening type of operation. One of the themes throughout this conflict has been the question of when or if the West will intervene, as it did in Libya. Hillary Clinton, the U.S. Secretary of State, made some interesting noises this week uh, talking about the Free Syrian Army and and how it is managing to hold some territory and starting to to hold territory that, that we can imagine almost as safe havens there. And we're clearly seeing the the argument in Washington, here in London, and, and elsewhere heat up on just whether the time is right to get involved. James, are we getting any closer to some kind of Western intervention? Well, I think things have certainly changed in terms of the Western perspectives over the last 10 days. Up until around 10 days ago, the Syrian conflict was seen very much still as a civil war inside a single nation state with the Sunni factions versus the Alawites and so on with a huge death toll, which was terrible, but nonetheless something that was to some degree contained. I think what's happened over the last 10 days is that two or three things have suddenly emerged which really affect lots of other countries in the region and are also raising concerns about Western security as well and security interests. The first of those is, as you know, uh, what's happening on chemical weapons, where Assad has moved his chemical weapons and has also talked 
about the possibility of using them, this after 25 years in which he never had a word to say about the subject. The second thing is you've seen significant refugee flight out of Syria towards each of the neighboring countries, in particular towards Jordan and Lebanon, and that is creating concerns about instability that that might create there. And I think the third fear is the risk of contagion, the possibility that, that there will be a kind of Sunni awakening inside Lebanon. As the Sunnis in Lebanon see Assad falling, they themselves might regard this as a moment to begin a major conflict against Hezbollah in the south. And so that, I think, is a big worry that is emerging. Uh, and that is why this talk about intervention is, has, has, a little, has a little bit more grist, a little more granularity to it at the moment. Abby, James there mentioned uh, the way this is spilling over in, into Lebanon. Just build on that for us a little bit. Syria has long cast a shadow or long had influence in Lebanese politics. How are things playing out there now? It's a very good point that James makes. Actually, what's remarkable has been how little instability there's been in this notoriously volatile country throughout the uprising. And that's largely because of Hezbollah. Hezbollah are the key backers of the government, and they have no interest in changing the status quo and are the most kind of powerful people on the ground here in Lebanon. However, as James said, the Lebanese Sunnis have been outmaneuvered and and out-weaponized by Hezbollah for the past few years and have been cowed. And, and now there are fears that situation might, or at least, you know, actors here might perceive the balance of power to be changing. That means that previously, whereas you could anticipate everyone's rational calculations in that situation, once people's perception of their interests change, then it all becomes much more unstable. So that's a real worry that people have here. And obviously, we've seen all kinds of incidents and, and clashes which give rise to those kind of fears, not completely sectarian Sunni Shia, but certainly between pro and anti-Syrian regime forces here. And so far, all those incidents have been contained, but certainly the big picture and, and, the, and the overall trends are extremely alarming to everyone who looks at them. Hamas last year made a clear break with Damascus and the Assad regime. Are there any signs that Hezbollah is moving towards anything similar? Absolutely not. If anything, the opposite. I think this is a pretty invidious situation for them. And whilst publicly doing what they needed to do, they haven't exactly, up until now, gone out of their way to cheerlead. But now, as the situation in Syria appears to be becoming more existential for their allies, Hassan Nasrallah's last speech but one was, was much stronger in its support for the regime and, and saying that it was part of the resistance so no doubt they uh, they wish that they had other less popular options. But at the moment, there's no indication of Hezbollah switching position at all. James, one of the themes of the conflict, again, has been the issue of the leadership of the rebel movement and just how fractured that is. Also, just how fractured the rebel movement is as a whole between Islamists and others. How comfortable are people in London and in places like Washington in dealing with the rebel movement at this point? Well, they're still not particularly comfortable. I mean, I think if you compare this to where things were with Libya a year ago, there was a, a much better coalescing of views between Western governments and the Transitional National Council at a fairly early stage. They were still a bit sort of all over the place when it came to operations on the ground, but there was a much stronger sense of who the leadership was. And there was a sense, too, that although you had had the Libyan Islamic fighting group inside Libya, which with its links to al-Qaeda, there wasn't a sense that the rebels in Libya were linked to the kind of jihadist movements that worry the West. I think here, 
people are much, much more concerned. I think that is one of the reasons why there has been a much more restrained approach to getting behind the rebels in the conflict. I think we can overplay a bit the extent to which there are foreign fighters on the ground. I don't think it's anything like it was in Iraq. But nonetheless, that is still the worry, I think, that some of the Sunni rebels do have links to people who are, you could loosely say are linked to al-Qaeda. And, and that is something which is, I think, a restraint in terms of Western military action. Abby, you've been following this movement for the past 18 months. Any signs of al-Qaeda there? Anything we should worry about? The short answer is yes. <laughs> There's been reports um, the, the question is, to what extent do they have a presence? Clearly, there's some very strong indicators that they do have a presence and that people outside are seeking to expand that presence. There have been uh, reports of particularly increased presence in the Idlib area near to the Turkish border. What seems to be the case is that so far, the Syrian opposition and the majority of the, of the rebels reject that kind of extremism and al-Qaeda but obviously, the longer this conflict goes on, the more desperate people get, the greater the danger is. James, where is this all going to go? Well, I think the big question which people are asking in the West is, is there going to be any kind of intervention by outside forces? If people look at what's happening on the ground, I think the assumption, first of all, is that Assad still has considerable firepower left. This is not a situation in which he is suddenly being overrun by the rebel movement. The rebel movement is much more a kind of conventional guerrilla movement, which is carrying out quite devastating operations in Aleppo, in Damascus, the bombing we saw last week, but then actually tends to withdraw. It doesn't tend to hold ground and move forward along a single front, if you like. So... In that sense, I think this is going to be slow and drawn out. I think the big question which will emerge for the West is if some of those issues, the control of chemical or heavy weapons and the refugee crisis, get really out of control and start to destabilize the situation. I think you then might see a situation in which various forms of calibrated intervention might take place. I certainly think... There's a case for Western governments looking at a kind of humanitarian operation on the borders with Syria, particularly on the Jordanian and Lebanese borders, because the refugee problem may get very serious. And I think they also need to start planning for the possibility of how things will be held together once Assad falls, which he almost certainly will. How will they be able to help any kind of successor situation there? But as far as the entire conflict is concerned, it's still one in which the outside world is looking on. The idea of uh, the kind of intervention we saw in Libya last year or the kind of shock and awe we saw in Iraq, it's simply unthinkable. Western electorates just won't accept it. Abby, how long does the Assad regime have left? Well, I would say somewhere between months and possibly even years. They've got a lot of fight left in them. They've got a lot of weapons and I mean, like, like James, I, I see this being a long, drawn-out struggle. James Blitz here in London, Abigail Fielding-Smith down the line from Beirut. Thank you very much. And that's it for this week. World Weekly is produced by Katie Carney. I'm Sean Donnan. Till next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. 
Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.